0: Go, you? <laughs> that's about as far as it goes uh, you might be uh, interested to know that there's a tremendous upsurge in learning German amongst young men in this country there is however a reason for that in that uh, this year Austria hosting the uh, European Championships in football and English supporters have been sent some phrases to learn uh, so that it will help them when they get there Uh, some of them have nothing to do with football but one simply says can I have extra chocolate sauce on my pancakes (laughs) so I'm sure they'll find that useful (laughs) don't worry I haven't got ten pages there's only three so when you see me turn the third one over you know we're nearly there I'd like us to turn this morning, in a few minutes, uh, to the Book of Kings um, to look at a little story uh, that refers to the prophet Elisha. Now, just to set it in its uh, scene, uh, the Book of Kings covers four centuries of Israel's history, uh, sort of starting with the time of David and then moving on to the Golden Age of Solomon, and then the rather unhappy division of the kingdom between Israel and Judah and so we're going back to an event in about 850 BC when if you know the story uh, Elijah is training his young apprentice Elisha to take over from him and suddenly one day when they're walking together this amazing occurrence happens where a chariot and horses of fire come down and separate the two of them and then elijah is taken up to heaven in a whirlwind and elijah the young apprentice takes over his mantle now just before that happened elisha asks elisha elijah let me inherit a double portion of your spirit have you ever wondered that was a sort of slightly strange request Elijah, this mighty man of God Elisha says I want double what you've had Um, if I'd have been Elisha I'd have been happy with a sort of quarter of what Elijah had had do you not think that was a little bit presumptuous when you think about it asking for a double portion well let me give you another explanation which I think is a little bit more plausible and then I'll leave it to you what you think But this uh, phrase double portion um, actually is more to do with the um, inheritance customs of those days. If a man had four sons, when he eventually died, his inheritance was divided into five and the eldest son received a double portion. That was to help him to become his father's heir and successor, and with all the extra responsibilities and duties that that involved, he received a double portion. And I believe Elisha was saying to Elijah, I'm ready, I've been your apprentice, but I'm ready to be your heir and successor, to pick up your mantle, and to do the work of God in this day and generation. That's my explanation. As I say, I'll leave it to you to think what you might. Now Elijah had been the sort of fighter, the preacher, the man who challenged people. But Elisha was a little bit different. His life mirrored in many ways the life of Jesus. Uh, There are exceptions to that when a couple of lads accused him of uh, being bold. And you know the story where the bears come down and take revenge. But in, in the main, his ministry was much more pastoral in nature. Let me just give you a little bit about how his life mirrored in some ways the life of Jesus. He raised to life a widow's son in the village of Shuman. And do you know that was just half a mile from the village of Nain where Jesus would do exactly the same. He healed a man of leprosy, Naaman. We know the story of how Jesus healed the ten lepers. He fed a hundred people with a few barley loaves. Again, you know the story of what Jesus did. And also, when Elisha died, his dead body touched somebody else who was dead, and they came to life. And of course, when Jesus died, the tombs, people came forward from the tombs. So, interesting, isn't there? Some similarities there of the life of Jesus. So, let's get down to the story. I'm going to ask Marilyn to put the, it's a very, very short story, but I think there's some important truths to be gleaned from it. And we're reading from the NRSV It's in 2 Kings chapter 6 And verses 1 to 7 The miracle of the axe head Now the company of the prophets said to Elisha As you see the place where we live under your charge Is too small for us Let us go to the Jordan And let us collect logs there One for each of us And build a place there for us to live he answered, do so. Then one of them said, please come with your servants. And he answered, I will. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water. He cried out, alas, master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and made the iron float. He said, pick it up. So he reached out his hand, and took it. Now, this story involves um, a borrowed tool. I expect most of us would be able to tell a story about a borrowed tool. Uh, I once lent my ladders to a neighbour who was painting his house. They were a brand new pair of ladders. When they came back to me, they were covered in paint. There was more paint on the ladders than he got on his windows. <laughs> I also had a rather nifty pair of electric hedge trimmers. Uh, I have a small hedge at home and um, they came out three times a year. And a friend at church, a Christian brother, not in this church, i asked if he could borrow them. And I thought, well, they'd be safe in his hands. When they came back to me, I couldn't cut a blade of grass with them. He'd used them as a chainsaw to cut down a tree, burnt the motor out, and ruined the blades. They never did work again. But probably my favourite story about a borrowed tool refers to Peter Bill. And he's not here this morning, so I can talk about him. (laughs) And uh, Peter, if you're listening to the podcast, this is Peter Foles speaking this morning. (laughs) Um, Peter, if you know Peter, he has a cellar with every conceivable tool that you can imagine. He has a tool for every job. And uh, he had a wonderful electric plane that meant you didn't have to do all that sort of grinding away with a plane. He has an electric plane. And uh, a friend of, of ours borrowed it from him. Now, I think, again, the, the tool was somewhat abused. And um, this guy is a little bit of a, an electrician. He likes to dabble with things. So he, I think he did burn the mortar out or did some damage, but he decided to try and fix it. So he took the thing apart Even the motor itself Took it all apart And on his table were about a thousand bits When he tried to put them back together He couldn't So Peter asked him the following week Girl, oh, have you got my uh, plane? He says, I'll have it for you next week And he did, he brought it back In a, in a plastic bag <laughs> all, f- all thousand bits <laughs> So next time you see Peter Ask him if you can borrow his electric uh, plane. <laughs> it still stirs up some uh, passion within him. <clears throat> so let's look at this story in a little more detail. The story begins with a company of the prophets who headed for the Jordan Valley. where th- In the Jordan Valley, there were thick woods, so there was plenty of timber to build this what seems to be a log cabin. The thing is that the prophets had outgrown their building. It wasn't big enough to hold uh, them any longer. And they were anticipating and preparing for further growth. I wonder, do we as a church, we as God's people, do we anticipate and even prepare for growth in the church today? It's very easy if you read the sort of tabloids of this country to become very depressed about the state of our country and about the spiritual decline that seems to be on every hand examples just this week, welfare benefit fraud up 25% in a year in the whole of Europe we have the worst number or not the worst number, I shouldn't say that We have the highest number of teenage pregnancies outside of marriage in the whole of Europe. Apart from the Ukraine, we have the highest number of abortions in the whole of Europe. And did you know how much this country spends on child abuse and on women abuse? £30 billion we spend Trying to deal with those who have been abused in this country in a year. What a figure. What an indictment to this country. And yet God promises that in the last days he will pour out his spirit. Are we expecting? Are we anticipating the church? Growth in numbers. People coming to Christ. Well let me give you a, quite an exciting um, example of what's been happening recently. Down in a little place of Dudley just south of Birmingham, uh, a pastor there who's been preaching for many years, has suddenly come under the most amazing anointing of God. And they're seeing miracles in the congregation. They're seeing people, lame people walk. They're seeing the most amazing things happen. Not only that, not only miracles and signs and wonders, they're also seeing floods of people coming into the kingdom. It's beginning to happen. If it can happen in Dudley, it can happen anywhere. Uh, What an encouraging thing. So, are we expecting, are we preparing for further growth? Elisha gives his approval to the building plans. But one of the prophets feels that's not enough. And he begs Elisha to come with them. You see, they recognize that in order for their project to succeed they needed not just the prophet or God's approval, but they also wanted his presence. You know, isn't this important that whatever we undertake as individuals or or as a church, we don't just look for God's approval, but we also long and plead for his presence. And then we come to the sort of dramatic core of the story. As the work is commenced... And as this one prophet takes uh, Preparation for a large blow The axe head Comes off the handle And he sees it disappear Into the depths Of the Jordan And you feel sorry for this guy Not only was it a borrowed tool But um, Here is a man who is wanting To serve God Here is a man who wanted to Give himself to this task And suddenly Disaster struck. And you know, sometimes in our own Christian experience, it's not difficult for us to lose our cutting edge. Some of us can look back over our Christian lives and think back to a time when we knew God in a more dynamic and powerful way. Sometimes we can look back and think about that intimacy that we had with God which sometimes we no longer have. Sometimes we find that, sometimes overnight, but more often over a period of time, our Christian experience, if I can put it this way, goes slightly off the boil. we become a little bit complacent. We lose that intimacy we had with God. Suddenly prayer becomes a little bit more difficult and we don't just find the time to read God's word that we once did suddenly we we discover that our own cutting edge of our Christian lives is lost. If there are people here this morning who find themselves in that situation, what might be the remedy? Well, I believe that it's here for us in this passage. And I'm turning over to my third page almost. So, we're going well this morning. Um... I believe it's here for us in this passage. Marilyn, could you put the first slide up? So let's see how this man dealt with his, his loss. And see if we can glean from that what we might be able to do to restore our cutting edge. First of all, he acknowledged his plight. He cried out. He confronted the situation. He didn't pretend that everything was okay. And he'd just have to grin and bear it and perhaps do something else apart from cutting. He cried out. He wasn't just prepared to accept the situation. If there was any chance at all of regaining his tool, he was surely going to take it. Surely if we find that we've lost our cutting edge, it's vital that we cry out to God and acknowledge our situation before him and maybe sometimes to one another, and be prepared to take action. Thank you, Marilyn. The second thing he did, and I think this is very important for us, he returned to the place where the tool was lost. The prophet says, show me where the axe head fell into the water. And I think this is vital for us, if we're going to restore our cutting edge, to maybe think back in our lives, what might have led to this situation where we find our cutting edge is gone. There's a whole host of examples that probably you can think of, but let me just give you a few things that might be the cause. It could just simply be sin. We've done things that we know God hasn't been happy with. It could be that we're holding some unforgiveness in our heart against maybe somebody it could be that we've just simply received some criticism or discouragement from somebody somebody else and that sort of left a sort of lodging place in our heart and we're battling to overcome it it could just simply be a breakdown in a relationship with somebody else it could be pride or maybe even competitiveness towards a sister or brother we may even have become angry or bitter or blame God for something difficult that has happened in our lives. And that just is like a sort of little seed that grows and develops. And before, it know, we, before we know it, it's caused a division and a barrier between us and God. We may simply have allowed something other than God to take the preeminence in our heart. If we're able to go back and find that uh, particular thing or series of things, then it's important that we repent and turn to God and ask for forgiveness and that we actually take the steps to put right those things that might need to be put right. We may need to go and see someone and tell them how we felt and ask for forgiveness. He returned to the place of loss the third thing Marilyn, thank you is that he fell on the mercy and grace of God when he'd done all he could he realised that wasn't enough he realised that he couldn't overcome this problem on his own but he needed God's help when he'd done all he could he simply yielded to God And that's what we have to do. When we've taken those those actions that need to be taken, then we need to just call on God and ask him to restore that relationship that we have with him. The prophet acted by throwing a stick into the water and the axe head came up from the depths and was restored to him. Now for those of you who know this story, think about it for a minute And just think about, there was a much more obvious way that this axe head could have been restored without throwing a stick into the water. If you know the story that preceded this particular action, can anybody tell me what might have, what Elisha might have done to recover the axe head? Pardon? Right, and how would he do that? Can you remember? The cloak, exactly, wow. Give us a round of applause for that. Well done. Uh, yes, if you remember the story, Elijah had crossed the Jordan with Elisha and put his cloak down and the waters separated and they went through. And when Elijah took over, when Elijah had gone, the cloak fell from him. He picked up the cloak and did exactly the same. And it would appear to me that that would have been a much more obvious way to restore, to recover the accident. Now, where's that cloak? Let's, uh, let's do the same again. The interesting thing is, I think, and this tells us something, that God is a God of variety. He doesn't do the same things the same ways. And Elisha was filled with the Spirit and was able to do what God was saying. Even though there was a more obvious way, he heard from God and took the action that God was asking him to do. So God is a God of variety. Fourthly, and the final point, he embraced the recovery. You see, the man, once the axe head came to the surface, the man, the prophet, had to reach out his hand and take hold of the axe head. It wasn't simply given to him in his lap. He wasn't a passive individual in this process. He had to take the action to to restore what had been lost. And as we receive back the cutting edge that we once had, it's important that we grasp the opportunity with both hands and again begin to use the gifting and ministry that God has restored to us with enthusiasm and with passion and with purpose. He had to be active in this process. He had to play his part and he had to do what God was calling him to do. The great thing is that when the opportunity came, he grasped it with both hands. So really, that's basically all I want to say this morning. Uh, Just to, to conclude that I'm glad this morning that God is in the business of salvage. He longs to give us back our cutting edge. He longs to restore the relationship that we have with him. He doesn't want us to be on the fringe of things. He wants us to be restored and he wants that relationship that is vibrant and powerful. God is at work in these days and he wants his people ready and willing and available to bring in that final harvest before he returns to reign amongst us in splendor and glory. I believe some of us can become bound and held fast and hindered in the work of God. But God says, I've come to release you. I've come to bring freedom to those who are captive. I've come to restore that which has been lost. I've come to give you life in all its fullness. I don't want you to be on the fringe. I don't want you to settle for second best. I don't want you to settle for mediocrity. I want you to be my people who are ready and willing to take the steps and the action that's needed in these days. Well for this prophet what began with a tragedy of losing that's head turned into a triumph. What was apparently a disaster turned into an amazing display of God's power and I, I just sort of began to think of this prophet maybe in a few years time uh, many of you know that I'm going to be a granddad very soon and uh, I'm quite looking forward when the, the baby's a little bit older to maybe sitting them on my knee and telling them a, a ticker's tale or two um, for those of you who uh, don't know me you probably wonder what a ticker's tale is a story that we might tell our children and I reckon this, this prophet would one day when he was older, maybe take his son or his daughter or his grandchild on his knee. And the child would say, Grandad, tell us the story of the axe head. And I reckon his face would light up. And he'd remember the miraculous occasion when God did an amazing thing. And I bet he would love to tell that story to his children and his grandchildren. And I want to say this morning that God has a miraculous work to do in your heart and to do in your life. He has something for each and every one of us to do. But we need to have, if, we, if this is appropriate for you, we need to have that cutting edge restored if we're going to be God's people in this day and generation. Let's pray.